Welcome to the Run Radio Podcast. My name is Trina Wilcox. My guest today, Samuel Knotts with the Unite News online publication. Welcome. Thank you, Trina. So tell me a little bit about this publication, how it got started, and what else you're involved in. Well, sure. Uh, the Unite News publication got started uh, in, originally in 1988, and um, I my background is graphic design, and uh, it was always uh, something that uh, I knew would be something, uh, you know, that would work well within our community. Uh, a little bit of background, uh, I... Uh, I, I got together with a, a gentleman here in town, which is the co-founder, and we were talking one summer about how can we provide a, a another communication channel or our, communi our original communication channel specifically for the local African-American families that lived in Springfield. At that time, uh, it seemed like information was very fragmented in terms of you know, when organizations were doing things in the community, uh, when churches were doing things, uh, there were noteworthy, you know, people doing important and interesting things in the community. And we just never uh, saw that reflected in the mainstream media. And uh, and when uh, that particular audience was were reflected in mainstream, it was very negative. So we wanted to create a communication piece that would uh, kind of be a solution to that of what we saw was a problem at that time. So we uh, created the United uh, Newsletter at the time, okay. and uh, <laughs> and uh, the, the the my my co-founder, which which is Mark Dixon, uh, he wrote the content, and uh, I put the content together with the images and uh, produced a newsletter. It was a several page newsletter at the time. And then we distributed it through our local, predominantly African-American churches. And uh, so that was our, our first uh, venture into uh, this process, which now some 30 something years later, now it's, we've kind of tweaked the name a little bit. Now it's the Unite News publication. We publish monthly, but uh, now we, uh, you know, by force had to come into the 21st century and create a, uh, a website and uh, social media pages. And uh, with that, we're able to get uh, information and news out a little bit more frequently. Uh, hopefully in the near future, we will be going uh, to push content out by email and uh, providing uh, what you would call, I guess you could call it our Unite News Plus uh, where we would be uh, adding on maybe some video clips and uh, additional news on a weekly basis. So those are kind of uh, our history and plan for the future all rolled up in one. That's great. With the evolution, what kind of things did you come up against when you were trying to go with the flow and make the changes and make sure you had advertisers? Was that difficult? You know, uh, that that was a that's a good question because we wanted to know if we could support this type of uh, business in the Springfield area, uh, knowing that the population, the African American population here, is four percent of the broader population. So if you're looking at about one hundred and seventy thousand people, that's only about six thousand 
people that we had to distribute to. And with that, you know, uh, the the readership of that particular population will be even smaller than that. So would we be able to attract advertisers to support the uh, publications? We didn't know. But we said, well, if we can't do that, maybe we can apply for grant funding. Uh, maybe we can get donations and offer, you know, our uh, contributors some type of tax break by uh, their donations. So we applied for a, a 501c3 status with the IRS and received that. And uh, we started as a, a nonprofit organization rather than a for-profit business. And since that time, the vast majority of our funding has either come from the ads that we sell in the publication, uh, some grants that we apply for uh, on a regular basis, uh, and uh, we also are able to raise funding through some of the events that we uh, present throughout the year. Is it easy for you to find contributors to write for the paper? You know what? Uh, that has been relatively easy. We have a number of uh, collaborative relationships with our local Springfield Green County Library. Uh, we have a writer that writes for us from Springfield Public Schools. Uh, we have a cybersecurity column uh, that uh, writes for us. Uh, we have two health writers uh, that write regular columns for us. And uh, we're looking at some additional columnists that will be making some contributions to us on a regular basis as well. So getting columnists has been relatively easy. Um, we have a very focused, targeted audience. And uh, we, you know, we're... It's, it's very clear that uh, this is an audience that needs, you know, resources, uh, life skill resources, uh, just like mainstream, uh, you know, as mainstream media communicates to uh, our advertisers and columnists can communicate their same messages to our targeted audience as well. I see that, you know, you do make sure you target family friendly. You've got a wide spectrum of readers, kids, families. Have you seen that change throughout the years? And what about like the college demographic? Because this is a college town. How are you in touch with that that bridge? You're right. Um, we uh, recently, and I say recently, that's been over the last several years, have really connected with our young people and, and our young readers. We, uh, there is a local literacy organization called Ujima who partner with us and they do kind of a kid's page for us. And uh, they help us find funding for it and they uh, publish their kid's page on a monthly basis. Uh, we have, of course, a number of uh, columns that would... Uh, be of interest to your 30-somethings, your families, and even your seniors. Uh, your college age is a little bit harder nut to crack for us. We haven't necessarily <laughs> been as relevant and 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 uh, generating content for that specific uh, demographic, but that's something that we want to do in the future. And you know, and as we connect with interns from either MSU or Drury or OTC, that's a little bit easier to do. Uh, because when you have young people around you, they can kind of communicate to you what their interests are. And we kind of glean from that. Yeah, yeah, very good. 
Uh, you've got this citywide event that you do every year. Tell me about that and how long it's been going on and, and how it began. Yes. Uh, every year it's on the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday in January. We do the Springfield Multicultural Festival. And this coming uh, festival in 2024 will be our 27th uh, annual event for uh, putting on that event in the Springfield area. It originally was an idea uh, that was born out of a citywide retreat that was held in Branson back in the early 90s. And uh, I was a part of that retreat. And uh, there were there were two or three, maybe four uh, takeaways and uh, priorities that came out of that uh, retreat. And one of them was valuing our diversity here locally in Springfield. And uh, we were looking at ways of doing that. So uh, we thought it would be a great idea to uh, create a festival that uh, highlighted different ethnicities in our community and uh, to really allow our corporate sponsors a way to participate and buy into that and to associate with the target audience that we were shooting for. And uh, it has been relatively successful. Our, our, um, our audiences have been Oh, about 2,500 to 3,000 consistently every year. Uh, we moved the event. We were uh, holding it at the Juanita K. Hammonds Hall for years and years uh, because they have a large stage there for our performers. And uh, if, you, if you're familiar with that facility, there's multi-levels in the foyer and we would set up our vendors on those levels. But it was a little bit cumbersome to get around there. Uh, so we wanted everything in one big room. So we moved to the Oasis Convention Center and Hotel, uh, I think uh, a year, a couple of years before the pandemic hit. And uh, that was a really win-win for, for us. Uh, we were able to put our vendors and the entertainment all in the same area. Uh, the food area, which is a really hit at the event, really worked well there at the hotel. And uh, so... Uh, it's an event. It's a half-day event, uh, usually from about 12 to 4 o'clock, and uh, two components mainly. Uh, we have a number of exhibitors there that will talk about their uh, ethnicities and their backgrounds and uh, parts about their culture, and uh, they also do uh, performances on stage as well and uh, communicate that. And sometimes they invite people on stage to, to participate and to join in and to experience uh, their cultures. And uh, of course, there's always food and that's, that's, that's a fun part for everyone. Uh, but the, uh, the event is really to help highlight uh, our local uh, diversity, uh, ethnic diversity here in Springfield and uh, uh, really to understand uh, who our neighbors are around us. And uh, it really works well. And I, I think it continues to create a sense of community here in Springfield for all the people who live here and call it home. And people that want to keep up on that, do you have a, a link or a webpage or a Facebook social media so they can make sure they don't miss that when it comes around next year? Absolutely. Uh, if you want to keep up with what's going on, uh, with that festival and with, you know, the information that we put on our social media page, you can go to Springfield Multicultural Festival. 
and just spell all that out and it will take you to our Facebook page. And we're posting on a regular basis uh, about local uh, events, uh, information that uh, is of a multicultural nature. And then as we get closer to the festival, you'll see more information about how to participate and when uh, the next event is gonna come up. And so uh, check out that page and uh, I think you can get all the all the, the information you need for it on there. Sounds great. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I'm assuming you were born and raised in the area. Well, uh, I'm originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. And uh, we moved to Springfield in 1973. Mm -hmm. uh, my my father uh, moved his family from, he's originally from Springfield, uh, but he was in Kansas City and married my mom in Kansas City. And we, he moved the family to Springfield and he is a pastor. So uh, he's a senior pastor of Deliverance Temple Ministries. It's a non-denominational church. And so when we came to Springfield, uh, I attended school here. I think I, my freshman year was at Hillcrest. And then they found a home in Nixa. And we moved the family to Nixa, and which was really a different experience for me because I'm from Kansas City area, which is really an urban area, and to a little tiny town called Nixa. And we lived right across the street from a dairy farm. And the first time <laughs> I had a cow was in the, in the Swole Park Zoo. So it was a neat experience. And I went to school there from my sophomore to senior year, uh, graduated there, came back to Springfield to attend Southwest Missouri State University, uh, found my wife, and we've been married for 41 years and uh, have one son and uh, have one grandson now. Oh, uh, amazing. So, yeah, I, I love the Springfield and uh, Southwest Missouri area. And uh, I, I, I think it's one of the best kept secrets in the state of Missouri. Uh, of those secrets, are there any little nuggets that you think that we would be surprised to know about that you've learned by doing all of your writing and connecting and networking in the area? You know, I, I meet so many people and have met so many people over the years because of my position with the publication and how it kind of forces me to to get out and meet people, I, I'm I'm relatively a, a private person, but uh, it it kind of pushes me to to meet new people, and I've been very open to serving on different boards and uh, different committees uh, for a long time now. But uh, I think you know a, a jewel that we have here in the Ozark is is our Ozark outdoor area. During the pandemic. Uh, uh, my wife and I discovered the Greenway trails that are here in the Ozarks and uh, just saw all the beautiful scenery uh, that we had really didn't know that was here uh, or we never had the time to really experience. So uh, I think that's a jewel here. I think that we live in one of the most beautiful parts of the country. We experience all four seasons and uh uh, I, I think that's a jewel here that, that a lot of people, if you don't know about the Ozark Trails uh, or Greenway, uh, you know, take an afternoon and, and try to experience that. I think you'll really um, be, you know, uh, excited about what you see out there. I'd have to agree. Those are very beautiful trails and our Greenways 
trails. They keep improving them constantly. So yes, check those out. Anything else you want to share before we close? Well, you know, I, I think that it's important to uh, to experience new things. Uh, this year, I think full-blown, uh, the Juneteenth uh, celebration has come online as a federal holiday, and we'll be celebrating that this coming weekend. And there are a number of events uh, that will take place this weekend uh, from the Springfield Art Museum to the Expo Center, uh, and I think some other places here in town as well. We'll be at the Expo Center uh, sharing information about our publication and uh, and uh, participating in some of those events. But uh, I, I just encourage people to get out, uh, experience some of the different festivals that we have here in Springfield. I think that uh, you'll find that uh, people are really, this is a really warm part of the country. Sometimes the perception is a little bit different than the actual uh, people that are here. But I think that once you get to know people, I think that you find out that people are people. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. And the only way to do that is to get together and rub shoulders. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing, Samuel Knotts. Come back anytime. Thank you so much, Trina.